want to talk this morning about a heavy topic. We're going to be talking about death. And death right now is, is a big part of our conversation. We Part of our understanding of our whole situation right now is um, to understand to how things are trending and where things are headed is by seeing how many people are dying. And it's a daily thing. Every day there's a number. You know, X number of people have uh, died in this state or in our country. And, um, and and I've heard people say, okay, these numbers aren't really accurate. They're they're much overinflated. I've heard other people say these numbers are not accurate. They're uh, much under uh, calculated. And uh, regardless of the accuracy of numbers, people are absolutely dying, and it's heartbreaking. There was a day last week where uh, there was a report on the news, and I was talking to a friend about it, and. The news reporter said, well, there's only, it was only been 33 deaths today, you know, only 33. And it, it's so heartbreaking that we've gotten to this point where um, only 33, and you think 33, that's 33 families. That's, that's husbands and wives and uh, mothers and fathers. And th- these are families that have now been parted in death. And to say, well, it was only 33. And I, and, you know, in the grand scheme, I understand that, um, that's better than many hundreds in one day, but it's still um, death is is still a cutting off, and it's it's a very heartbreaking thing to think about and to talk about. There is a sting to death, and the passage that we're looking at today talks about this sting of death. But we're not just left as people of faith in Jesus. We're not just stuck with the sting of death. Verse fifty-seven says, "Thanks be to God." He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That Christ's victory over death, it takes away the sting of death for us. And uh, we'll see that if, if we believe that by faith, it will change the way that we live our lives today. Uh, Jesus once had a conversation with a woman and her brother had just died. This was a friend of, of Jesus, the whole, the whole family, uh, friends of Jesus, and he was, Jesus was talking to this woman and he said, you know that your brother is going to rise again. And, and she said, yeah, I know that he's going to rise at the resurrection at the last day. These, the, this Jewish woman, she understood they had a concept of resurrection from the dead, but it was this kind of this final thing way in the future. And Jesus said the most interesting thing to her. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus was telling this woman that in him, in Jesus, that there was resurrection life that could be lived today, not just in the far off future. It's it's a present reality that resurrection is something that changes our today, not just our tomorrow. And uh, he, so here at the end of this verse, it says that the, the way that that changes us is that we can stand firm. We can stand firm today. We can let nothing move us today, not just the future reality. I mean, yes, it's a future reality, but a future reality that drives my today. I think, I think there's a misunderstanding in our faith, in the Christian faith, that, um, that the essence of the Christian faith is really about the afterlife. It's really about... Um, that at some point in the future you die, and if you put your faith in Jesus, you get to go uh, to heaven um, because of his death and resurrection. But the resurrection of Jesus is so much more than the, the future. It is that. 
but it means that there's a new today as well as a new tomorrow. And I want to look at that uh, here this morning. I want to consider the sting of death, um, the, secondly, the victory of Christ, and, and lastly, why this matters. Why is this important to us at all? So let's take a look here. Um, first of all, the sting of death. In, in this passage, describes where it came from. We believe, as people of faith, that death is not just normal. I remember early in this, uh, when things were starting to close down and, and we were learning for the first time about what is called social distancing. I don't know if you remember, but I was uh, annoyed by that, the, the semantics of that, because what we were being asked to do was not social distancing. It was physical distancing, right? We're, we're staying socially connected to one another, to one another, but maintaining uh, some physical distance in that. Now, there's another phrase that's being used uh, all in the news and, and it's all out there that I also hate. It's called the new normal. And everybody's talking about, oh, what is the new normal going to look like? And for me, especially as a person of faith, I don't like the phrase new normal because what I consider normal uh, is going to be different than what other people in the world consider normal. I prefer, the, I prefer the phrase new reality. This is the new reality of the world we live in, that there's going to be certain things uh, that might be different than they were before. But do I call those things normal? For example, many people talk about death as something that's normal. People will say death is natural. It's normal. But if you've lost a loved one, you know in your heart that death is not normal. That death is not just natural. It is, death is a, something that holds us down. Uh, death is something that is inflicted on us. It is a punishment. Death, in this uh, passage, in verse 26, death is an enemy that Jesus came to destroy. Death is not just normal. Verse 22, in Adam all die. Death has come from, from sin, and, and it comes all, all the way back to the time of Adam, the first human. You see, God made a world and it was perfect and he made his world to work a certain way, um, a way that is good in a way that brings life. And so God made that world and it's a world where we could love him perfectly, where we could love other people perfectly and live in harmony with the environment and we could serve God and, and serve other people. And it's, it's a perfectly good world. That's God's creation that he made. But humanity has gone against that good order. Instead of living for God and living for other people, we live for ourselves. And instead of the life and the order and the fruitfulness, we see disorder and death that comes in through sin. Anything that we do that goes against God's good order, against his way, is sin. And Adam was the first human, so he becomes sort of the great representation of all of humanity. And so since Adam sinned, we all have inherited through Adam this sinful nature, this condition of sin and death. We are connected to him in sin. And, there's no, and then since then, there's no exceptions to the pattern. It's in Adam, all sin and all die. And, and that death is a sting. Verse 56 says, the sting of, of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. The, the sting of death, it's something that's inflicted it's the same word sting that you would use uh, for a, a scorpion or a hornet or a snake bite. Or it, it's, it's something that's inflicted. And the, the sting of death is sin. 
or elsewhere in scripture, it talks about the wages of sin, the outcome of sin is death. It's this deterioration in death. That's the wages. That's what we get. Uh, in, that's the reward of sin is death. And, and, and the power of sin is the law, which is sort of a, a strange phrase. But basically what he means is that God gave good law to his people. And we look at God's law and we see his, uh, the, all the righteous requirements of the law. And we look at it and it reminds us... It, you don't read the you don't read the law even even just the Ten Commandments and you look through and and you realize it doesn't make you feel great that you you know you could just accomplish everything God requires it reminds you that you don't ful- perfectly fulfill these things that we do sin and that we are in this uh, condition of sin and death but secondly here. Um, we have we have the victory of Jesus. We're not left in this condition. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in its turn, Christ the first fruits, and then when he comes, those who belong to him. Um, we, just as our connection to Adam brings about this sin and death, our connection to Christ makes us alive, gives us new life, resurrection life. And Jesus here is described as the first fruits of that. Now, what's a first fruit? First fruit is the first grape. It's the first grain. It's the first thing that grows. It's the first real thing that shows that there's going to be a harvest. And and in uh, biblical times, there was a whole festival where the the first fruits were taken and they were given as a gift, as an offering to God. And nothing could be bought or sold until that first fruit was was presented and given. And it was a symbol that the future is certain, that there's a future harvest that's coming. And in Jesus, if Jesus is the first fruit of resurrected life, that means it's coming for all of us. It's broken into the world. It's started in him. And then in our turn, we will know it in its fullness as well. But in Jesus, a whole new day is dawn. There's a, a whole new uh, a life and a whole new nation and a race of people. The, the kingdom of God is now started in him. He's the first fruits. He's the proof. His resurrection is the proof to us that this is real and that God is working it all together. And Jesus says, believe in me and you get that resurrection life in you. You get the, the fruit of that life. He's the first fruit, and we get the fruit of that in our lives. And then as we bring that fruit into other people's lives, as we um, comfort other people and counsel them, and as we uh, interact with people, and as we love and serve other people, we are bringing the fruit of that resurrection that we've received into other people's lives. The first fruits means that the future has come. And, and uh, Jesus has brought the future into the present, and it gives us great confidence. So just as in Adam we have this sin and death, in Christ we are now transferred into a new way. We rise with him. And, and yes, that's a future reality. And then here in verse uh, 50 and following, um, it's just this beautiful picture of uh, not just the first fruits, but when it's all the whole harvest is gathered in. And all by faith um, in Jesus, we, re- we are clothed with new eternal life, immortality, and death is destroyed. It's completely swallowed up. And specifically here, uh, just two great um, passages from the Old Testament that are, are quoted here. It's, the teaching is that this is a fulfillment of what God has promised from, from the prophets of old. 
um, in verse 54, he quotes uh, the prophet Isaiah, says, death has, been, death, death has been swallowed up in victory. And it comes from this beautiful passage in Isaiah. I'm just going to read it for you because it's just uh, such a great picture. Isaiah 25 says, On this mountain the Lord will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from the earth. The Lord has spoken. What an image. That this, this death that just enshrouds and covers all people, it's lifted. Death is swallowed up in Jesus. And the disgrace, our disgrace and our sin and our shame is gone. And then in, in verse 55, he quotes the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, Hosea. And he says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Death, you know, take your best shot at me. Uh, do what you want, but there's no more sting in death. There's no more victory. That's the victory of Christ. But why does it matter? And here's the beauty of it. And, and Free Christian Church, this is what you're going to take with you today. Verse, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He says, therefore... You can stand firm. Therefore, you can be unshaken and immovable today because of this. You're not going to stand firm because of your own resolve. You're not going to stand firm because you're so strong on your own. But you stand firm because of the resurrection, because of the victory of Christ over the sting of death. It's because of the hope that we have. And it's the first fruits. It's, it's Jesus' resurrection. That's the first fruits. It's the, it's the proof. It's, it's knowing that the future has broken into our present world in which we live. So these truths are going to change the way you live today. So this isn't just a theological idea. This is amazingly practical with how we live our lives. Because now we can be people who stand firm. Stand firm against what? Stand firm against everything. You could stand firm against fear and uncertainty. You know, Jesus is the first fruits. He's the deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So it's, it's certain. So when I face uncertainties and when I face fears, they don't have to consume me because I know that my future is, is, um, is real, that God is, is going to fulfill his good work. So your fears don't have to consume you. Now, I know many people are struggling right now, and there are so many things to be afraid about, but they don't have to consume you. Now, you may need support, and we have the beautiful gift of prayer. And you can pray, um, you can connect with a small group uh, to pray. You can pray you know, on the online church platform. You can uh, go to our website. There's, there's ways to receive prayer and have people support you in your prayer with your fears. Your fears are real, but they don't have to shake you. We can also stand firm against uh, cynicism. Just becoming so uh, cynical and just resigned to the condition of the world and say, you know what, this is all just, it's all just a mess and um, just kind of give up. But we know there's a better world. And the better world is not just in the future. It's a better world that we can usher in now as we are connected to Jesus, not just the future. We can, we can have that now. And it keeps us from getting cynical and it keeps us from just resigning and giving up on life. 
we can stand firm. We can stand firm against even death. Now, the, the fear of death is very real. And especially uh, whether it's because of your age or because of medical conditions that you have, the fear of death may be very heightened right now. And many people have these uh, pre-existing kind of conditions. But we can stand firm even against death because there is no more sting in death in Jesus Christ. And that is our hope as people of faith. So we can stand firm. But we can also give ourselves fully to our labors. Give yourselves um, fully. Everything you do in faith, everything you put your hand to, your labor is not in vain. Because Jesus Christ, the first fruits, he's, the, he's that first harvest of what is to come, that God is bringing it all together. So the things that you put your hand to have meaning and purpose today, including labors that you do that are very unfulfilling. And I know right now there's some people have labors that are um, unexciting, that are boring. I think of my children. Um, they are, you know, this remote learning. They're kind, you know, kind of done with it. It's, it's um, in many ways unexciting, unfulfilling. Uh, you might have tasks that are just, or even just being cooped up. Is you're just kind of done with it. But we can um, give ourselves fully to whatever, even small or menial tasks we have, because we um, th- there's a goodness to it that God is bringing about. Even labors that are tough. Now, I know some of you, your work has become very difficult right now. People who relied on face-to-face meetings and uh, people who are in sales and people who do do business where they need to be proximate to one another um, is very difficult. I'm working on things right now that are very difficult. We're working on a, a you know plans to reopen our building at some point. This is uh, there is a million considerations and a lot of decisions and um, things that we need to put in place to be ready to do that. And it's another one of those um, phrases just to be careful of. I'll never talk about reopening the church because the church never closed. We've always been the church, right? But we're talking about reopening the building. We're talking about regathering the church. That's what we're talking about. So don't talk about reopening the church. I, that's another one of those phrases that I'm trying not to use. But uh, labors that are tough and th- plans that you're making that are difficult, th- those are, um, we can give ourselves fully to them because it's not in vain. Um, labors, even labors that are dangerous. Some of you are you know, medical workers and, and therapists and nurses and doctors and uh, hospital workers and, you know, or those who um, you know, may have the opportunity very soon to be going back to work but who don't want to go back to work, who don't feel safe being in certain environments. You know, even labors that are dangerous, we can still give ourselves fully to the work we need to do. It is not in vain. And Christ's resurrection proves that. Whatever that you've been working on or working towards in your life that's frustrated, whatever ground you've lost, whatever you've had to postpone, it's not in vain. We can give ourselves um, fully to our work. Because in the Lord, as people of faith, it is not in vain. None of it. Free Church, we're going we're gonna to finish up and you're going to get out there. The message for us today is to stand firm. Don't let anything move you. Don't let it shake you. In your work that you do, whatever it is, it's not in vain. And you can stand firm against, uh, against anything, including death. 
because there is no more sting because of the victory of Jesus. Um, this whole situation it has really forced us to um, focus not so much on our um, togetherness, although we're staying connected in so many ways, uh, but we're really, God has essentially forced us in this season to focus on the front lines of our lives, to the places where we can be, to the things that we can do, uh, not just on what we can no longer do and ways that we can no longer um, gather for now. And again, this, things are uh, changing quickly, but um, we get to be people who bring resurrection life into our world to be a blessing, to be God's people. And I pray that you would just today, that, um, that you would embrace that calling on your life. Let us pray. Father God, I pray that you would help us to be people who are firm, who stand firm, that we are not easily shaken, Lord, that we are people who give ourselves fully to the work that we have before us, whatever that work is, whatever you've called us to put our hands to, because the work that we do in faith in you is not in vain. And we know it's true because Jesus rose. We know that he is the first fruit and we thank you. We thank you that death has no victory over us, that there is no more sting, but that, and not just in the future, Lord, but now we live that resurrection life and we, we live it as a blessing to our world. And we pray that it would be for your glory. Be glorified in your people. Be glorified in your church, Lord. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.